Episode 79, Church History, Part 35. As the Second Great Awakening takes place in the 19th century, Mormonism, the Millerist, Adventist, or Seventh-day Adventist have formed, and they are growing in leaps and bounds. But after Prophet Ellen White of the Seventh-day Adventist plagiarized her writings, a church split occurred, birthing the Church of God Seventh-day in the 20th century. Herbert Armstrong was a member of the Church of God Seventh Day until his doctrine differed from the church. So he started the Worldwide Church of God. Businessinsider.com states, The Worldwide Church of God was created by Herbert Armstrong, an advertising man who lost his job in the Great Depression and turned his promotional talents towards religion. A few decades on, he was leading a successful multinational religious corporation worth many billions of dollars in today's value. Not a bad turnaround for a broke copywriter from Oregon, funded by a 30% tide on the gross incomes of its members. The self-titled Last Apostle of Jesus Christ lived the life of a celebrity on palatial grounds in the foothills of Hollywood. It was part religion, mostly business. A religious media mogul, he ran an international radio, TV, and publishing business, and three universities, and circled the globe in his private jet, discussing world peace with presidents and prime ministers. Both Armstrong and his even more off-center cut leading contemporary L. Ron Hubbard, the Church of Scientology, had the gift of imagination on their side. Hubbard, a science fiction writer, Armstrong, an ad writer. Their words and worlds were compelling and persuasive enough to entice millions to give over a huge percentage of their income to the church coffers. Armstrong led the life of a celebrity while his followers struggled to survive. The Worldwide Church of God believed that Herbert Armstrong was an apostle. A few things he taught. One, God works through one man at a time. What? Sabbath was on the seventh day. Europeans were the descendants of the ten lost tribes of Israel. Really? And he said, being born again was not instant and would happen at the return of Christ. Armstrong had a different theology, and like William Miller, he also made predictions and prophecies that never came to pass. He was later charged with financial irregularities for the Los Angeles Times. During Armstrong's divorce of his second wife, who was 45 and he was 95, the church lost $1.2 million due to a libel and slander suit filed by the 45-year-old wife. And the church had to pay more than $5 million in legal fees to litigate their divorce. The church was renamed the Grace Communion International, and Armstrong was labeled a heretic and a false prophet. Another denomination came from Millerism, or the Seventh-day Adventists, and that is the International Bible Studies Association. Britannica.com states, by the time he was 20, Charles Russell had left both Presbyterianism and Congregationalism because he could not reconcile the idea of an internal hell with God's mercy. He had drifted into skepticism when a chance encounter with some followers of the Adventist movement begun by William Miller introduced him to the idea that the Bible could be used to predict 
God's plan of salvation, especially as the plan related to the end of the world. With the help of tutors, Russell managed to master the use of the Hebrew and Greek dictionaries to study the Bible, and he formed his first Bible classes in 1872. With N.H. Barber of Rochester, New York, Russell published Three Worlds and the Harvest of the World in 1877. Basing his judgment on complex biblical calculations, he preached from 1877 that Christ's invisible return had occurred in 1874 and that the end of the Gentile times and the beginning of the Golden Age would come in 1914, followed by war between capitalism and communism or socialism, after which God's kingdom by Christ would rule the earth. Russell dedicated his life and fortune to preaching Christ's millennial reign. In 1879, he started a Bible journal later called The Watchtower, and in 1884, he founded the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which became an extensive publishing business. His own books and booklets, notably seven volumes of studies in the scriptures, reached a circulation of 16 million copies in 35 languages, and 2,000 newspapers published his weekly sermons. He was president of the society until his death. Russell's movement survived the problem caused by the apparent failure of his eschatological prediction. Jehovah's Witness, member of millennialist denomination that developed within the larger 19th century Adventist movement in the United States and has since spread worldwide. The Jehovah's Witness are an outgrowth of the International Bible Students Association, which was founded in 1872 in Pittsburgh by Charles Russell. Russell taught that Christ returned invisibly on October 1874 and had been ruling from heaven since that date. What? He supported Christian Zionism, those who are descendants of Japheth and Esau claiming to be Israelites. He supported that. KingdomPreppers.org states, The Jehovah Witness movement is known for its many false predictions of the Second Coming and other events, which failed in the years 1878, 1881, 1914, 1918, 1925, and 1975. Various problems had since plagued the organization, from racial discrimination to rampant child abuse, which Jehovah Witness elders, according to a former elder, considered a sin, but not necessarily a crime, as these matters were kept as quiet as possible. Russell's wife did file legal separation from him due to abuse, and during the trial, his wife's attorney alleged inappropriate relationships with their foster daughter. The Second Great Awakening birthed more denominations with their founders declaring their own teachings and philosophies. And if their doctrine was not accepted in their church, they would just branch out and start their own denomination. Sadly, they had so many people at their fingertips to influence as converts would give themselves and all their tithes and offerings. Pastoring a church and starting a denomination was a lucrative business, just as the mother church, which birthed all of them, the Roman Catholic Christian Church, had already been doing this for centuries. 
The Pentecostal movement was another denomination birthed in the Second Awakening, which came from the Wesleyan Holiness or John Wesley movement, talked about in episode 77. The Pentecostal movement engaged in revivals and focused on the second coming of Christ as well as the other Protestant denominations. Pentecostals believed they were living in the end times. They expected God to spiritually renew the Christian church and bring to pass the restoration of spiritual gifts and the evangelization of the world. In 1900, Charles Parham, an American evangelist and faith healer, began teaching that speaking in tongues was the Bible evidence of spirit baptism. Along with William J. Seymour, a Wesleyan holiness preacher, he taught that this was the third work of grace for the Encyclopedia of Christianity. Charles Parham received his minister's license for the Methodist Episcopal Church and became a pastor in the church. Conflicts of doctrine arose and Charles Parham started his own independent evangelical ministry in Kansas. He held revival meetings for personal salvation and took his message throughout the U.S. and Canada. Probiography.yourdictionary.com states, When his efforts met with little success, he became discouraged, but his sense of mission was revitalized in 1890 when he studied with Frank Sanford, a well-known member of the holiness movement who had started the Holy Ghost and Us Bible School in Shiloh, Maine. Parham's visit to Shiloh strengthened his beliefs about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Taking that belief a step further, Parham started to believe that the Holy Spirit would enable converts to spontaneously speak foreign languages. This he termed missionary tongues because it would enable the new believers to go out and convert people all over the world. This ability eventually became widely known as speaking in tongues. Charles started his own Bible college in 1900 and named it the Bethel Healing Home, which modeled Stanford School. He believed that all should teach of the apostles and follow the words of the book of Acts. That part of the Bible Parham believed was where the true word of God was found. Parham eventually expanded his theology to include the laying of hands on others doing prayer, speaking in tongues, and baptism of the Holy Spirit, which led to purification of the soul. Religious historians regard the opening of Parham's Bible school as the birth of modern Pentecostalism. Parham had about 40 students. In late December 1900, Parham left the school for several days to fulfill some outside preaching engagements. He told his students to pray and study while he was gone. During Parham's absence, the students participated in intense collective prayer sessions, allowing themselves to be overwhelmed by spiritual fervor. The students believed they were in the last days, as Parham had predicted the world would end in 1925. When Parham returned, he was told that one of his students, Agnes Osman, spontaneously had gained the ability to speak in tongues during a prayer session. In Pentecostal historical chronicles, Osman's experience is regarded as a significant event and she is cited as being the first Bible student of modern times to undergo apostolic baptism of the Holy Spirit accompanied by speaking in tongues. 
1905, Charles Parham was invited to preach on an Easter Sunday, and while in Texas, he met William Seymour, an African-American Baptist minister who wanted to join Parham's school. Despite his own segregationist beliefs, Parham allowed Seymour to attend. Seymour was poor and uneducated, but he would have a huge impact on the development of Pentecostalism. Seymour went to Los Angeles in 1906, and using the preaching credentials he earned for Parham, he opened a mission in an old warehouse located on Azusa Street. Through the ministries of Parham and Seymour, many people were saved and went out to evangelize the world. Unfortunately, the great success of the Seymour-Azusa meetings caused a rift with Parham. Biography.com states, Parham's inability to exercise his influence over the mission marked the start of his decline as a leader. Parham not only alienated Seymour, but others became disenchanted with his judgmental attitude as well as some of his theological concepts. After 1906 and the emergence of the Azusa Street Mission, Parham's name turns up less frequently in the history of Pentecostalism. In 1907, Parham encountered some legal difficulties that did terrible harm to his reputation. He was arrested in Texas for alleged sexual misconduct involving young boys. However, charges were dropped as no one came forward to testify. Today, it is generally regarded that the charges were without merit and most likely resulted from a conspiratorial campaign to discredit him initiated by anti-Pentecostal religious leaders. Nevertheless, the accusation was enough to do substantial damage and he subsequently lost much of his credibility with the neo-Pentecostal movement. By 1913, the Azusa movement birthed the Church of God in Christ, and the Pentecostal movement itself birthed the Assemblies of God and the Pentecostal Church of God. KingdomPreppers.org states, The rich and poor, white, black, Latino, and even preachers of other languishing ministries embrace the Pentecostal conversion experience. After a time, a host of new Pentecostal church members were awaiting the latter rain prophesied by the prophet Joel in the form of a full outpouring of the Spirit in preparation for the final judgment. It never came. Thus, history's pages were filled with yet another false prophet entry, together with another leavened Christian movement, and so it shall be until the ultimate collapse of Babylon. And if we really study the scriptures, speak it in tongues meant they spoke in a language that was understood by those hearing. Acts 2 and 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Strong defines speak as to talk. Tongue is language, utterance, to speak forth clearly and plainly. Acts 2, 5. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how here we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. So that meant whatever they spoke, people understood. 
So talking in gibberish does not count. Per the scripture, if we speak in tongues, it should be a language for people who know the language to understand. Father Yah, help us. Jeremiah 10 and 8. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Matthew 15 and 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. John 7:16. Isaiah answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The Roman Catholic Christian Church birthed all of these religions, and if there were doctrinal differences, another denomination was formed. We believe Jesus is this. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe women can do this. We believe women can't do that. All of these religions defined by man when Yah has been and still is readily available to speak to us if only we make room to hear him. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or come it here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars, truth reigns, truth speaks, truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.